This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Podcast episode four of our second season. And speaking of that, the season's about to get started, but a big show coming up today. We have, of course, Nelson Emerson. He is the director of player personnel for the LA Kings. He's going to join us in the second period to talk up everything going on at the World Junior Championships. But uh, hey, Dennis Bernstein, before we get started, let me tell you the name of the studio. Welcome to the Jim Pack Studios here in beautiful Southern California. What do you think of that? Well, first of all, um, a happy new year to you, John. Here's to a great 21. 2021 for both of us can't be any worse than 2020 so uh jim pack no give me the download on jim pack brother well i went back and forth on this particular one because you know of course uh we're always trying to find obscure la kings references to to name the studio after and, and what a beautiful studio it is by the way we're still waiting on that uh gift from luke robotai to to put up here in the studio so we'll see we'll see when that comes in the mail but uh here at the jim pack studios the reason that we decided to name the studio after him uh, some people might kind of raise an eyebrow like the rock and wonder well why jim pack because he wasn't actually drafted by the LA Kings uh, if you really dig in he was drafted in the ninth round by the Pittsburgh Penguins so why would he deserve to be you know get this prestigious honor well he did play 18 games with Los Angeles during the 93-94 season and there's a connection here because since our last episode Dennis the Kings have made breaking news the Kings have made an acquisition they acquired double A Andreas Anthony Siu. Did I get that right, DB, by the way? How do you pronounce you the last right, name? Jay, you're on the first shot. Oh. Absolutely. All right. This, this, I'm going to struggle with this name all year, but 
you know, I, I, I refer to him in text messages and other things as double A, but it feels weird to me because he's not a horseman. So, you know, there's only one double A. So, but anyway, right. uh, Anthony CU. Uh, who was recently acquired by the LA Kings. We're going to get into that in the third period and sort of figure out where he might slot in here on this uh, this roster come opening night and this season for Todd McClellan. But uh, Jim Pack was an assistant with the AHL Grand Rapids. So long after his playing career, people might have forgotten about him, but he's been trolling around behind the bench in the AHL. And that is uh, where, in Grand Rapids that is, that is where Anthony Sioux broke in uh, to pro hockey. So kind of an obscure connection there that fits, you know, DB though there, I also was a little concerned about uh, Jim pack because it, it was, you know, I don't want to be emotional, but uh, it, it hurt a little just thinking about his name. Um, because for those that don't know, Jim pack was acquired by the Los Angeles Kings it, when they sort of had to go back and undo a disaster of a trade uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So they acquired Jim pack along with Marty McSorley and going the other way to Pittsburgh, terrible. Shed a tear, pour some out for your homie. Tomas Sandstrom went oh, to the Penguins. No. Yeah, oh, so. Yes, of <laughs> but I think, you know, at first I was like, hell no, we're not naming the studio after Jim Pack. But then I realized, look, it's not his fault. He didn't ask to be included right. in the trade. He just, you know, he's probably kicking it in his hotel room or his condo there in Pittsburgh. And he gets a phone call, pack your bags, you're, you're going to L.A. Yeah. Hey, worst things could happen, but yeah, I, I can understand the emotional connection for you there, John. <laughs> All right. So tears aside, um, by the way, if somebody's tuning into Kings of the podcast for the first time, I, I guess shame on them for waiting this long to listen to the program. But right now, none of this is going to make any sense to them at all. And we might've even lost, <laughs> might've even lost a couple of listeners. Um, but for our longtime uh, listeners, we certainly appreciate you sticking around through, uh, through our hijinks. So moving on from the name of the studio, today's agenda is actually quite simple, Dennis. Uh, we are going to go, go uh, we're going to talk about the world juniors. Of course, this is the best time of the year in hockey right now. Not only is the NHL returning from, uh, you know, an extended break in, in 2020, uh, but we also have the World Junior Championships going on, which we've done a great job, I think, of teeing up here on Kings of the Podcast over the last month. And we've had Brock Faber and Kaliev and Turcotte and Byfield and so many of these kids on. We had the general manager from Team USA, the general manager from Team Canada on. So it's been great. Today, we're going to bring on, as I said at the top of the hour, uh, Nelson Emerson on. And he keeps a close eye on the Kings prospects. So in the second period, we'll talk a lot about the WJC. And in the third period, we're going to, you and I are going to go through camp. We have some clips to play um, from some of the players and, and everybody that we've been talking to over the first three days of camp. Uh, but I figured before we brought Nelly on, just for anybody who's has not been paying attention, Dennis, to what's happening at the World Junior Championships, we might just want to do a quick recap. The semifinals will be coming up on Monday. Uh, you have two games in the semifinals. You have the U.S. playing Finland in the nightcap, and then you have Canada playing Russia in the uh, afternoon tilt, which is at 3 o'clock Pacific. Very interesting note. These are the two, these are rematches, I should say, of the last two gold medal games at the World Juniors. So Canada-Russia, gold medal game from last year. U.S.-Finland, the fantastic gold medal game that took place in Vancouver a couple of years ago, although the outcome went the wrong way. Um, the F Finland has also knocked out the U.S. two of uh, the last two years, I should say, uh, in in very close games, three two loss, and then a uh, one nothing loss. So, uh, good luck to Team USA, and of course Faber and Kaliev and and uh, uh, Turcott, which we'll be talking about. Uh, but just any any sort of early impressions. Let's kind of go through this, DB. Uh, over in the one pool, Canada kind of had a cakewalk uh, in in their pool and and the teams that they were playing. Um, you know, they they beat up on Germany sixteen to two, and of course the Germans. We're short some players at that point. Um, you know, uh, Germany 
they played a much more, I would call it, I guess, a competitive game against Finland, which was a 5-3 game, but they also did lose that game. Um, the U.S. had a, a, you know, another laugher as well. Uh, the U.S. beat up on Austria 11 to nothing. Um, and then you, you got a little bit later into the opening round. So, so two pools of five teams. Everybody plays four games, and then you determine the seedings. Canada won their pool. Uh, the U.S. won their pool. Canada was really in the driver's seat the whole time, um, although the game with Finland at the end did matter because the winner of the Canada-Finland game was going to determine the winner of that pool. But over on the U.S. side, which was the, the, you know, the, the pool of death, uh, things were all over the board. Depending upon who won between the U.S. and Sweden in regulation or overtime, it could have been the U.S. winning the pool. It could have been Sweden winning the pool. And Russia even had a chance, even though they were done playing, they had a chance yeah. to still win the pool based upon what happened in that game, DB. Well, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is that, you know, Sweden had what that 54-game winning streak in the, mm-hmm. the round-robin round. They finished the tournament on a three-game losing streak, which is which was kind of stunning. Great game. Hey, look, the medal rounds are going to be great. And even look, Canada was pushed yesterday by mm-hmm. Slovakia. That was not an easy game for them, even though they're clearly the favorites. So you're going to see the, the last four games are going to be really, really intense here. I think that going into it, and I said it on SiriusXM last week. Look, pesky Finns, man. They're a pesky team. Now, the U.S. should beat them, but they are not going to go away very, very quietly. So, um, yeah, I, I think these the, the way these games line up is going to be exciting um, viewing. And, yes, shame on you if you're not going to be watching these games. There's no NHL right now. Um, there's no reason not to watch these games because they should be classics. Look, the uh, the quarterfinals are not always on Saturday, but what a great marketing opportunity for me. That was Super Saturday. You had four games on Saturday right. that was the opening round of the playoffs. So uh, you have eight teams. It's winner go home. The four advance, and they're going to be playing for a medal. And uh, you're right. Uh, Canada was certainly pushed in their game. The U.S. Ha- had their moments as well uh, with Slovakia. Yeah. And uh, even Coach Nate Lehman afterward in the postgame press conference was talking about, you know, when they pulled within that one goal there, uh, he really liked the way that the players rallied on the bench and were um, sort of taking control. He didn't like the way that the U.S. was playing early on. He thought that, that the U.S. was basically uh, playing the game the wrong way and hurting themselves. Um, so a little bit of a different uh, a slant on it. I wouldn't say that he was slamming or discrediting the other team in any way, but normally you get so much coach speak in those post-game press conferences about, you know, all the credit goes to the other team. And he was actually, in this case, being very honest and saying, I didn't like the way that uh, the Team USA was playing in the first part of the game. We were making things harder on ourselves than it really needed to be. Um, anything else that, you, that you've seen or that you've liked or disliked uh, in, in the tournament so far, Dennis? No, no, just that. Look, stop criticizing players. This is a this is an exhibition tournament. So if you don't think that Caulfield is doing enough or Turcotte or Byfield, I just please. This is not where they're going to be. It's not the team it's going to play with. They're going to be playing in different leagues. They're going to be playing maybe on a taxi squad, maybe the AHL. So the criticism, just enjoy the games. Can you not just sit and watch these kids play competitive games for their countries um, with respect to the uh, the high stakes possible in their careers? I think that's my biggest takeaway is that I, I really – I look at the criticism and I just think, okay, so Turcotte's not going to be playing. They may be playing with Callier, but he's not going to be playing with Degris. So I, I just kind of mute all those the criticisms. I just watch these kids and what they have to offer and just enjoy the moment, enjoy these tournaments. Well, at the same time, Dennis, the highs and the lows of, of hockey Twitter during this tournament oh have been God. really unbelievable. I mean, I guess I just forgot because of uh, the pandemic in 2020. I forgot how uh, reactionary Twitter can be. 
Right. But but man, I mean, Team USA loses the first game 5-3 to Russia. And you would have thought the world was coming to an end. I mean, it, yes. and if you just calm down everybody for a couple of days, what ends up happening? Team USA ends up winning the pool. So relax, everybody. And then, you know, Turka, excuse me, Byfield, he's a bust. You know, that's, that's what Twitter kept saying. Yeah. And then people get right. excited because he goes off in really what was a meaningless game. Um, against inferior competition, I'm not going to get excited watching Quentin Byfield light the lamp against you know the equivalent no. of a, of, a, of a CHL level team. <laughs> like you know, relax, everybody. Yeah. T- talk I to me about. Think, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think my takeaway is that in, in stretches like certain plays or certain shifts, you can see the talent of the kid. Like you're not looking, and I agree with you. Like who cares? Seven points. Ooh, it doesn't matter. What it matters is like in the moments when he's fighting for a position in front of the net. If he makes that great pass, you see vision. That's what you look for. Like you don't look for like the box score at the end of the game. Because if you look at the box score at the end of the game, John, then you know don't comment on a player's evaluation. Yeah, you have to love hockey Twitter. Uh, I'll tell you what, speaking of things to love, Dennis, coming up in the third period, we're going to play some clips from some of the players, uh, guys we've been talking to over the last couple of days as training camp has gotten underway in Los Angeles. But before we do, here's a quick preview of what to expect. This is Jonathan Quick answering some questions during the the post-practice scrums here the last couple of days. Hey, John, welcome back. Uh, just a question for you about how you're approaching this season. You know, so much has been made in the media about uh, how, how the splits will take place. And Todd has kind of been noncommittal as well. Do you see yourself as playing three quarters of the season? Is it 50-50 split with Cal? Or how do you anticipate things to go down? Uh, that's a question for Todd, obviously. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't pick and choose uh, who plays. Uh, so, yeah, that's a question for Todd. And just a follow-up to that would be, you know, you've played with so many different guys behind you here in, in Los Angeles through the years. Uh, any any thoughts or impressions about your, your time so far with Cal and and uh, what it would be like to go through a whole season with the two of you as the tandem? I'm looking forward to it. Uh, he's a great teammate. He's a great goalie. Um, he, uh, yeah, he competes his ass off. He's fun to play with. So uh, I'm looking forward to it for sure. John, just wanted to follow up on some of the comments from Todd and, and even some of your teammates. Uh, they're talking playoffs. Uh, when you look at the shortened season, the reconfigured division, do you think the playoffs are a realistic opportunity for the Kings this season? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the fact that you're asking that, it's kind of weird. Playing against such a small subset of the league, you know, uh, just a handful of teams so many times throughout the year, does, does that change your approach at all as a goaltender? Does it make things easier because now you kind of get a, a book, if you will, on, on all the different guys? No, but we already have the book, you know, the book's already there. So a little fun there with Jonathan Quick, DB. Uh, he was he was already in basically mid-season form. He was outstanding. Yes. That, that was going to be my, my takeaway. Mid-season form <laughs> with respect to the media. Not sure how he's going to be on the ice, but definitely mid-season. And John, here's the thing, John. Legitimate question. Like, why are you upset or offended about a legitimate question that your teammates all said prior to you getting in there? Um, in that uh, in that Zoom box, that they all think that it was a, a possibility to make the play. It just I don't know, DB. I'm just here to ask the questions. In fairness to Quickie, I will say that on a couple of those answers, he did give longer answers. Those were kind of his initial talk. reactions, yes. and which were funny. And then he uh, sort of gave longer answers. The answer to Cal Peterson, though, that was it from beginning to end. That was the entire answer. <laughs> he works his ass off. Right. Boom. That's kind of it. Uh, but in some of the other ones, he, he did have a little bit more this to say. But it was just uh, funny the way that those period. clips were put together. And uh, uh, always thanks to Spike Kaufman doing some of the engineering on yeah. the audio uh, back behind the scenes here on Kings of the Podcast. 
Let's get to the other side of the break, though, Dennis, where we have uh, King's Director of Player Personnel, Nelson Emerson, will join us to talk everything about World Juniors right after the break. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, making his second appearance here on the program, Nelson Emerson. Although, as we learned on the last show, it's Emmer. So, Emmer, welcome back to the show. Yeah, Emmer from junior. That's junior in college is Emmer. It changed, though. Yeah. We know that. Well, see, here's the thing, though. Our our last guest of our most recent episode was Steven Nelson, who's doing the play-by-play uh, for the NHL Network on the USA Games and the World Juniors. By the way, he's doing a great job, fantastic job. Uh, but his nickname is Nelly, so it's kind of like we're having back-to-back Nellies. But, you know, we figured you were the original, so we'll go with your original nickname. We'll go with Emmer. I like it. That's fine. That's good. Yeah, he is. They are doing a good job. It's great. And I love they have information on every player, which uh, I know they do their homework. So, you know what, as a fan, it's um, it's really good and appreciate their work. That's for sure. I heard your name mentioned there last night, too. So I'll big time. It's good. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I do appreciate that. It was uh, very nice of him to mention. And yes, we've uh, we've enjoyed having him on the program a couple of times. And like I said, I think he does a, a great job and uh, happy to provide him any information on the Kings prospects, which is, uh, I guess, kind of my specialty. So look, um, before we talk about the World Juniors, though, I guess the first question we just have to ask you, I know we really asked you to come on about the, the World Juniors, but just take us inside the bubble. I mean, this is not really the bubble from an NHL playing perspective, but it kind of feels like that camp has been sealed off. Toyota Sports Center is in its own little bubble now. Toyota Perf- uh, Sports Performance Center. Excuse me. Let me get the, the name right. But take us inside the bubble. You're on the other side. I mean, what's it been like watching guys skate up and down the ice and hearing uh, coaches yell at players? No, it's, it's been great. And I was real excited to get back and it's, it's, we've been that way, you know, guys, like we've been that way since probably August, really, when we started phase two. Um, our people here led by Chris Kingsley have done an unbelievable job at keeping everybody safe. And the amount of testing we were doing then, we were doing three tests a week then in August. And now, now we're up to, because training camp started, we're doing daily tests. So yeah, you're right. It is a, it is a little bubble. It's kind of similar, I, I guess, to, you know, not as extensive as the world junior bubble, but um, we feel like it. We feel real safe, and you know, everybody has uh, everybody's following the rules. Um, but I guess what you're asking about is training camp, and uh, first day was unreal. I couldn't. We were talking about it with uh, everyone up here. We couldn't believe how fast it was. It was, you know, those guys got on the ice, and you could see it was nine months of not skating or practicing, and they were fired up, and it was so fast and. Uh, you know, slowed down a little bit over the next two days, but, um, you know, all good. Everyone, everything's good. All right. So let's just sort of go through the list. Nine players that the LA Kings have, have, uh, you know, at the world juniors are had, I should say, because we're taping this on 
Sunday, which we're now preparing for the, uh, the, the semifinals, which there's only four teams left. Let's talk about some of the players that have unfortunately already been eliminated. We'll start in goal. Lucas Perique. Any thoughts on what you saw from uh, Lucas Perique in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, it, it was that's that's him, you know. And we talked to Billy Ranford and um, Maddie Miller. They do a great job, you know. Maddie visited with uh, Perique a lot up in Spokane, and um, you know, that's kind of him. We were interested to see, you know, how they would use him in the tournament. We were hoping he'd be like one A and and get the majority of the games, and that kind of didn't happen. Uh, but he did get a big game against Russia, and, and he played unreal. And you could see how dialed in he was. You could see his athleticism, and you could see how excited he was. I think it was awesome for that country to win that game, and you could see it in all the players, you know, when they won. Um, good for him. Um, but then, you know, he goes out the next night, and, you know, so they play a hot team in the U.S., and, you know, they, they, he gives up six or seven or whatever it was, and, and, and that's that's what we've been dealing with him and trying to work on is his consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's got the ability in him, but you know, it, once you become, once you get in your twenties and you become a pro consistency is what keeps you playing for a long time. And that's kind of what, you know, we've all been working with him on for sure. All right. Uh, Martin Chromiak, by the way, is it Chromiak or Romiak? Because I've heard it pronounced both ways. Do you know? I don't know. I, I, I think it's Chromiak. That's what I think. I, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just, we'll just keep um, going for it. Uh, Martin Chromiak, who was eliminated uh, yesterday, what, what did you think about his game? He was certainly getting a lot of minutes. Yeah, interesting player. Uh, didn't know a lot about him. I mean, I did watch him in junior. I got to watch him, but I wasn't really focused on him last year. Um, he, he, he got my attention just because of his size and his shot. Um, played a pretty good role on that team. Um, they played a tough game yesterday. I thought, thought they were real good. They hung in there. Um, but what stands out about him is his size and his ability to uh, shoot the puck on the power play. Um, and, you know, if you look at what we need, you know, coming down the road here is wingers that can score. And he's a young one, right? He's, he's just drafted. So um, there's an opportunity for him. And I think, you know, we get him moving his feet a little more up and down the ice. Um, I think it's there, right? Because he's got the size and he's got the strength. Um, so so that's going to be a big asset for him, the fact that he can score. So just get his pace up um, will be good. So I was I was actually pretty pretty impressed. I love the fact that they used him a lot. Um, I love the fact that the announcers talked about him, you know, being a threat. Um, so good for him. Do you look at any of the, the lineup sheets, uh, you know, before they come out, and see where guys are slotted. Hey, is this guy going to be on the first line or the second line or whatever? Or you just sort of watch the game and organically let things develop? Depends, depends John. Depends, depends who they are and, and what they are, right? Like with guys like him, um, certain, you know, certain guys on certain teams, um, we would expect, we would hope that they would be in, um, you know, major roles. Um, but for him, you know, I think uh, pleasantly surprised that he would get that, you know, get the role he had um again it's his first year in this tournament you know he'll go back there next year and uh you know and then you'll expect even more things so um i say i say to answer your question it'd be yes and no and we were we were okay with how how he was played okay so there were nine prospects uh that started this tournament out we'll, we'll go to the the last player that has been eliminated of that group because six of them are moving on and will play for medals the last one of course was tobias bjornfoot playing for sweden uh he was named 
one of the three best players of Team Sweden as voted by the team. So that was quite the honor. Uh, but unfortunately, Team Sweden did not end their tournament on the best of uh, the best of a role there, having having lost multiple games. Uh, any thoughts on Tobias Bjornfoot and what you saw? This is not his first time at the World Junior. So what do you think? Uh, he, he, he played like he, that's him, right? The way he played, um, solid, steady, they counted on him, which, you know what we talked to and Rob Blake talked to, you know, the head guys in Sweden going into this thing. And, and we were told right, right, right away that he would be leaned on as a leader. And I think that's, that's what happened. Um, you know, defensively for sure. You know, I, I, it's so disappointing that they, that they lost and, and, you know, we, we read it out there yesterday. It, it's so hard for these teenage kids when they lose a game like that and the pressure on them is just enormous. And I, it just, you feel, you feel so bad for him. And for him being a leader on that team, I think uh, it's probably devastating. We did talk to him this morning um, and it's really hard. Like, I think people got to realize like how, how much pressure there is on these guys back home. You know, in their moment. But anyways, he 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 did what he was to do. He um, played heavy minutes, played good in the PK, solid. I think um, they counted a lot on him. And you know, that's that's a player he is. Um, really, really happy that you know he got named one of the top three for their club. But um, you know, like people have said, their junior now it's over, right? Like that that part of his career is over, and now he moves on to being a full time pro. So. Uh, felt bad for them when they lost. That's for sure. It is the most heartbreaking part about the World Juniors when you see the the guys that have lost, and, and and you know that it's the end of the line for them. They have a whole career in front of them in many cases, but they won't be playing at the World Juniors again. And they've put so much into it. Uh, it's it's rather heartbreaking. I don't know the name of the player. I forget, but one of the Swedish players who was bent over and just sobbing uh, almost into the boards, if you will, uh, was was a terrifying. Uh, not terrifying, but it was a heartbreak, yeah. heartbreaking moment that they captured there uh, last night. Um, just real quickly on Bjornfoot, one more to follow up on that. And, uh, of course, the Jets are fired up. He's on his way back. When, do we have an anticipated date of when he will be joining camp yet? We're we're actually in the process of working on that and figuring it out. Um, we got to go through, you know, all the league protocols and, and the timing. But like like the other guys that will be getting in here, um, you know, we'll talk about those guys later, the, uh, the U.S. kids and the Canadian kids who they're coming to. So it'll be as fast as we can get them here under the league protocol. So that's kind of what today's plan is. <laughs> now, a big picture question. Um, like when you're watching these games, like is, your evalu- is it difficult to evaluate, let's say, I'm just to call up at the, the bigger players like a Turcotte or Byfield because they're not going to be playing with these players after this tournament, right? Um, there's so much so- criticism on social media if you don't you know, score a goal in a game and then you score two goals and you get three assists and it's a five-point game. Are you crossing your fingers that none of them get hurt? Like, how are you watching? So you're watching individuals play um, as opposed to playing on a line because they're not going to be playing with these teammates uh, going forward after this tournament? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I will, I watch every minute of every game, um, because, you know, we can do that now. And, and I think we've all been waiting to watch hockey. So I think a lot of people across, um, you know, North America have been doing the same thing. So there's a lot of pressure on these kids and, you know, if they don't perform the way people think they should perform, um, there is being a lot being written about them and, and the pressure is there. So, um, you know, it is tough, but I think we have to remember that 
these, it is a teenage hockey tournament, right? And there's mistakes being made and, and these kids are not fully developed. And, you know, it's two or three years from now is when, you know, the real player would, will probably, when he gets to his fullest extent of developing. So all that comes into play. And I think we have to be careful. Um, but as you say, these are, these are players. Um, we've drafted these kids and we are watching how they perform. Um, not only watching how they perform, we're watching their body language. We're watching mm-hmm. how the coach plays them. Um, you know, how he might react to, um, something that doesn't go well for him. So all these things. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy cause, um, they're 18 years old on average or whatever it is. And, um, you know, hey, <laughs> we're trying to prepare them to, to, you know, to their early 20s is what we're going to find in the player, right? So, All right, so coming up on Monday, uh, again, we're recording this on Sunday, so the quarterfinals, or Super Saturday, as I call it, uh, is behind us. The, the semifinals will be taking place on Monday, a rematch of the last two gold medal games, which is amazing. Uh, you have Canada playing Russia. The, the, the Kings, of course, will have a couple prospects in that one, and then the nightcap, you have... Kings on Kings crime. You have four prospects. Uh, you have U.S. playing Finland. Let's start with the afternoon game, Canada versus Russia. Let's start with Jordan Spence, first of all. What's the deal, man? Jordan Spence, he, he can't even get a sniff. The kid comes in, he plays one shift, he scores a goal, and then he can't even uh, he can't even get any more minutes after that. Yeah, I, I, I get it, though. I mean, you know, Canada's defense, and they got their guys, and, uh, you know, Jordan, that's kind of what it was probably going in yeah. um, in Canada. They haven't had any losses. No, you know, there's no issues, but Oh man, we are so happy for that kid. The way he played when he went in there, he's everything that we said he would be. And it's, it's okay. I mean, that's kind of been him, his whole probably career, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he's had to deal with. And he's really come on over the last couple of years. Right. And we talk about that. So, Hey, he's there. Um, when he went in, he was awesome, which yep. is terrific. I think they, they, they know that he could do the job. But there's other guys they're using ahead of him, and the other guys really haven't faltered. Um, so that's okay. It's not saying that he's, you know, we're not we're not saying that he's below those guys. Um, those guys are damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Jordan proved that he can play with them. And uh, you know, you never know what can happen in these next two days, and he'll be ready. But um, hey, what a great accomplishment that goalie scored, huh? Just jumping in and <laughs> scoring and ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, good for him. Good yeah. for him. Um, excited he's there um but yeah hey we'd love him to be playing big minutes but just it's the way it goes so it's okay you know you talk about body language and watching guys uh, on the ice as they go to the bench and their body language on the bench also body language and sort of their composure in the post-game press conferences sometimes can be telling and one of the things that really stood out to me in talking to him after the game was how poised he was here he's thrown into this big tournament, a big moment. He scores a goal. He was very poised, and you don't—you really don't see that same level uh, with some of the other guys. You—you—you you, you, you can almost see them deer in headlights a little bit the moment getting to them, uh, especially for Canada when you with their post-game pressers because the pressure. You talked earlier also about the pressure these kids are on under. Um, but he's just so poised, not only on the ice but even in the press conference, just very composed, very poised, and uh, been very impressed by the young man. And uh, look forward to having him on the podcast after after all of this is over. Um, okay, we had to get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, Quentin Byfield. A lot of criticism of Quentin Byfield as hockey Twitter overreacts to every single thing that took place. Um, thoughts on Byfield in the tournament? He's been cast in a particular role that perhaps isn't his normal role. Is that a fair comment? Well, it's not, it's probably, yeah, for sure. I mean, not the role that he's ever probably had in growing up. So, mm-hmm. 
a little different for him. And kind of like I mentioned earlier in the thing, how, how, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to handle it? Right. Are you going to, are you going to sulk or are you going to just hang in there and do what the people want you to do? And, you know, team needs to win first. So that's kind of, that's kind of what we're seeing him, you know, doing and where he's doing what he's, you know, in that role. Mm-hmm. I've been on probably every um, morning skate call with the coach and or post game press uh, presser with the coach. And anytime that he has asked about Byfield, he is always extremely complimentary. I've texted or tweeted out, I should say a lot of the, the quotes um, talking about the fact that he, he came back to the tournament this year, a much different player, more mature player than he was last year. He's very coachable. He listens, he adjusts uh, as they ask him to. The coach has had nothing but praise about him. And I think that really speaks more to the type of tournament that he has had than, than maybe what uh, even media fans or critics are, are, are writing or saying online. Yeah, I, I like I like to look at it this way. I mean, you know, he was drafted where he was, and we had reasons, obviously, and we're so fired up about that. And and the, the reasons are you watch him play, okay? He's big, he's lanky, and he can really skate. And you see that every every shift, he never takes a shift off. He's relentless on the puck, so he's hounding D, and most of the time he gets a stick on or he stops the play. So that's the first thing we're looking at. Like, where's his effort? His effort is enormously excellent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good for him there. Um, second part of that is he following instructions. Is he is he coachable? Is he a good teammate? And mm-hmm. he is off the charts on that right now. You know, he's doing what they want him to do. He's playing that role, not getting you know the amount of ice time that maybe the top guys are getting, but he's he's hanging in there doing that. So he's checking that box off. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that got us gets us out of our seat so he, he, he accomplishes the first two right mm-hmm. and then and then the third one i'm going to talk about he throws a six-point game at you mm-hmm. okay so so he's checking all those boxes of those things we talked about and then and then and then to add on to that okay i'm going to throw six points in one one night which is you know two goals and four assists and he can do that so um that that's the boxes we're checking off in, in a player that we're getting that whole all-around thing and and John, and then we, we talked about it this morning, and it was really interesting. Is okay, so he's he, he's doing those things that I talked about, those first two things about being relentless on pucks and skating and the effort and getting a stick in there. And I we and we've also seen some meanness. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, like mm-hmm. the cross check to the back and knocking guys over. So that stuff, that competitiveness, and then when he does get on that second power play, you know when they when they get out there, obviously they're the second unit, mm-hmm. but. The D come up the ice and they do that thing that you see now, that drop pass, mm-hmm. right? They drop it, the D skate up and then they drop it back. Back, who do they drop it to? They drop it back to the the player who the coach feel who has the best hands, who can carry in the zone, right? On our team in LA, we use Kempe. Mm-hmm. Like later in the year, we use Kempe, but on on that team, they're using Whitefield, six five, two twenty five, and I'm going to say I'm putting it in this guy's hands to carry it in. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's what we talked about this morning and we were like, you know, just talking about positivity, like, okay, here we got a guy who's number one guy in on the four check. He's getting on pucks. He's being mean and nasty on his four check. And then when the power play comes, he can be a guy that I can count on to carry the puck in the zone. So, um, so that's I think what, what we talked s- about today and Hey, what's that? I Go. think what you're saying, Emmer, is calm down, everybody. I think right. that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> calm down. Well, we're, no, we're, we're saying, hey, what, this kid is, um, you know, 
when I'm 21, when I'm 22 years old, what, what do we have? He is just, he is just scratching at the surface of surface of starting to train, um, get physically fit, um, you know, get big and strong, you know, the leg strength, that type of thing. I mean, he just started, he's just starting on that progression. Okay. So we will, we will move on team Canada. We'll see what they do up against Russia and if they can advance into the gold medal game, if not, they'll play for the bronze medal. Uh, the nightcap tomorrow team USA going up against Finland. What a matchup. These two teams, uh, they've, they've played well, Finland's knocked the U S out the last two years in a row. Uh, and, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't fun in that gold medal game in Vancouver either, where Mikey Anderson was the captain of team USA and it's a tie game late, but uh, we won't revisit history. Uh, huh. Casper Simon Tybel, he's going to be uh, getting big minutes for for Team Finland. What, what have you seen from him? Do you like what you're seeing out of Casper so far? Uh, I like I like I like how they use him. I was I didn't know you know like where he'd be. And Christian Rutu talked to us a lot about him and type of player he was. And you know, love the fact that he plays with Lundell and that you know gets those minutes like that. Um, and they have him there because he's you know he's got a he's got a knack of being able to make plays and, and can score. So. Um, like that, I like where that coach factors them into into their team. Uh, we've seen that a few times in the tournament, just his creativeness. Um, not a real big player, but he is wide and stocky. You don't see him fall down very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, hey, what a big, huge win for them yesterday. You could see how fired up they were, and that's Finland. I mean, watch Finland over the years. They um, they just hang around and hang in there, <laughs> yep. and they don't cheat they don't cheat the game one bit and um you could pull 20 players out from any team in finland they all play the same way and no cheaters all good teammates all play you know hard hard and heavy and um hey and they're successful right they they Mm -hmm. seem to always be um no one's surprised that they're where they are in this tournament this and this kid has been a he's been a big contributor to their team so Excited again. He's kind of like Chromiak, right? That age, um, yep. young, young, and just starting. And like I said before, we need scoring wingers here down the road in the future. So um, he'll be someone that we're going to have to um, be excited about developing and be good to work with. Quick side note: Have you noticed the head coach for Finland kind of looks like he could be related to Rutu? I'm talking about the head coach. <laughs> yeah, but Rutu wouldn't wear that turtle. <laughs> Okay, fair, fair point. Oh, God, I love Roots. Uh, let's talk about Team USA. Obviously, that's the you know three uh, big big time players. Uh, two of them that have been getting a lot of publicity here in Los Angeles over the last year because their their draft class was a while ago in Turcotte and Kaliev. But I want to talk about Brock Faber first. Uh, he was taken in the second round this year by the Kings, playing at uh, Minnesota. Got off to a great start there. Was in a handful of games. Even scored a goal, his first college goal, while playing at Minnesota before going to camp with USA. To me, he's been one of the real breakout stars of Team USA. Uh, and even the coach, uh, Nate Lehman, acknowledged that, moved him up to the top pairing with Cam York. Just your thoughts on uh, what you've seen from Brock Faber so far in the tournament. Uh, not surprised on, on how it kind of all happened. Um, if you if you watch him, uh, if you go watch him play at Minnesota or whatever, I mean, you watch the first game, you'll be, go home and you'll be like, hey, he's pretty good. And then you go the next time, and you're like, hey, you know, man, he's not bad, but he's just a guy that wears on you. He doesn't make any mistakes. He's solid and he's always in the right spot. And that's what happened with, I think, Team USA. He started probably in that lineup, maybe at the bottom pairing, that type of thing. And yep. then they start watching him and they're like, holy crap, this kid, 
we got to get them out there more. Mm-hmm. Then they got to get them out there more. Now let's put them with our number one. Let's put them with Cam York. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's play them against uh, other team's top players. So that's how he is. He kind of wears on you in a good way. And uh, he's like one, of, you know, if you coach, he's like one of those players. Um, you look down the bench and you never have to worry about him because he's always doing the right things. And uh, good for him. Um, strong, great skater. Saw a couple times in his turn where it looked like he's going to get beat wide. And he just angles the guy off and gets back and never has an issue. So uh, good for him. Um, Really excited about his future. Yeah, and phenomenal. I mean, you don't want to make too much out of plus minus. I know people hate that statistic, but it is interesting uh, when you look at like the top 10 guys in plus minus in the tournament, and they're all um, from Team Canada, basically, because they ran the score up. But uh, there's Brock Faber. He's the only other, you know, non-Canadian in that group. And um, he's only been on the ice really for for one minus in the entire tournament, which is pretty phenomenal. So um, good, good for him. And the coaches have obviously taken a liking to him. Uh, and you're right, though. He started on the outside looking in. Uh, some people didn't even have him projected to make the team. And then, you know, look where he is now uh, on, on that uh, on that top line. He's just he's playing phenomenal. Very steady. Uh, let's talk about the forwards. Arthur Kaliev and Turcotte obviously playing on a line with Zegris which is kind of the all Southern California line. We'll be hearing probably a lot about Trevor Zegris in Southern California uh, with the Ducks for many, many years. But uh, Kaliev, he's, he's potted a couple goals, including a big one last night. What have you liked from, from his game overall here through, what, five or six games in the tournament? Yeah, he's been an interesting player to watch through this, you know, right? He's probably the guy who's thinking, I'm going to be, uh, it's kind of probably like Caulfield. Like they're, they're both probably thinking they were going to be the guys that had all the goals in this tournament. And, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's Zegers. So Artie is kind of, um, you know, I watch him every game. I think everybody's got the microscope on him. How is he going to be? And, and, you know, I don't think the goals came easy for him early. I think he was pressing. And then he got that really nice uh, power play goal a few games back. Um, so that was good. You could see how excited he was. And then last night's goal, I mean, we talked about it this morning in here. And not many guys could score like that. You know, on his own side, puck comes across, great pass. But he's ready. He gets, He goes down. He's a big body. He's 200-something pounds. Yet he gets down on one knee. And he snaps it so hard. And um, a couple other times in that game last night, we couldn't believe how hard he shot the puck. So heavy, heavy and hard. Okay, so so that's the one thing. But the one thing, what you have to look at with Artie is all the other stuff. Um, okay, is he skating? Is he getting up and down the ice? Um, is he back-checking? How long are his shifts? Things like that. And some points, you know, some points he doesn't do the best at some of that stuff. So... You know, when he's not scoring, he's got to make sure he is doing those things. And, you know, I think sometimes in this tournament, maybe he's not, but for the most part, he is. Um, one of the really positive things I think we have seen with him is how strong he is on the puck. I mean, if you look at him, pucks on the walls and pucks in the corners, he's starting to figure out how to puck protect, how to protect pucks. Like, um, that's what happened with Toffoli, John. Like, Toffoli didn't understand that stuff until he was probably 21 or 22 you know what i mean coming mm-hmm. out of a junior you know, they're a big score that had to kind of learn how to make plays off the wall how to you know the importance of that things like that and already already at 19 he's he's learning the importance of puck protection and managing pucks and loose puck battles and things like that because uh, those things actually lead to offense like mm-hmm. in this tournament already getting his stick on pucks has helped create Pucks for Turcotte, which help create goals for Zegers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a long line of events that have to happen for for the other guy to score. And I think already starting to get that point. So 
So a lot of things that we look at when we're watching him play, um, like I mentioned, but you know, those are, I think the pauses and, you know, the, the ability to score, like he can score is still there. Like honestly, the threat, he's such a threat, you know, when he gets open. Um, but he's, but the other things are still things he has to totally focus on. Well, three quick reactions to, to what you just said. One is it's been fascinating to watch Kaliev playing over on the left side when he's uh, he's on record, even here on Kings of the Podcast, talking about the fact that he likes to play over on the other side, but that's fine. Um, the second being that you watch the minutes. Keep an eye to make sure that uh, the coach is still happy with what Kaliev is doing. So if you're a fan at home and you're not watching him you know, light the lamp and put up the points that you might be expecting, at last year's tournament, when he wasn't doing those small things that you were just talking about, Emmer, they would move him up and down the lineup. This year, he's been consistently playing on that line, so they like what he's doing away from the puck outside of um, you know, putting up points, like you said. So, And I forgot what my third point was. I got so excited to say those two, so there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I bet you that, I bet you, and we, we come in every day, too, and wonder the same thing, right? Is the coach uh, happy with, with Artie? Is he... You know those things. So those those other things I mentioned are the things that we he will focus on once he gets here too. That we have to keep keep talking to him about. So you're right. Okay, one player left, Emmer. It's uh it's Alex Turcott. Uh, he's he's certainly in my opinion had a great tournament. Uh, hats off to Dave Starman who does a great job on color as well. Calls a lot of college games. He actually came out on the broadcast the other day and said that he was waiting for Turcott to score a goal that night. And lo and behold, Turk did pot one. So um, just overall, your thoughts on Turcott and, and how he's being used and what you maybe liked or even not liked about his performance in the tournament. Yeah. Um, like, like obviously like how he's being used, right? That's, a, that's their number one line. They start every game. Um, and I think the coach realizes how important um, that line is in Turkish. And it, he, he's a, he's a driver of that team, I think. And, and that line, I mean, you watch him work and compete and he has been relentless. We talked about Byfield being relentless every shift and Turks the same way. Um, he's on pucks. He's trying his ass off like every shift he's getting in there. He goes into traffic all the time. Uh, the time when he got hit real hard there behind the net, uh, the very next shift out, he did the same thing. It was harder than that competes, wants to score. You could see it was frustrating for him when he wasn't getting the um, reward, getting points. Like in the first uh, part of the term, first half, he kept hitting the post. Uh, we all saw that. It wasn't going in. Um, so he didn't have the luck with them early, but then he had the good game and his player of the game. But but you know what? The one thing, every shift is the same. Every shift he works, every shift he competes. And that's why he's so important for that line. That's why he's so important for that team. Um, that's why we drafted him in the spot we drafted him because we, he checked those boxes of what we wanted. You know, you want every shift, him going out there and putting his, basically his balls on the line and, and working. And um, Good for him. So, hey, the next two games are huge, and he's going to be, a, you know, important for that group. I think he would have he liked more offense in, in this tournament or like, you know, more things like that, but you, you can't fault his effort every shift, every game. Now, Big picture on on Turk, um, Popatar, Byfield, uh, Velarde. Is this destiny for this franchise on the left side? Not sure. You know, I you know we can't say that yet. You know, he, he's a he's a centerman. Um, he'll, he he he's a hell of a centerman. So he comes in and he plays center, and then that stuff kind of works itself out. I mean, I think uh, a couple of those other guys you mentioned, you know, can be wingers too. So. Um, we'll see how that goes. The one, one thing that we talked about and you guys just talked about too, is 
Um, he is relentless on pucks and he makes little five foot plays all over the ice. Like watch that, like little five foot plays, puts pucks in the area. It's always on the tape. He comes up with pucks. So you can do that as a left winger too, right? You, you can do make those same things that I just talked about, you know, as a winger. So a lot of times, and it's funny too, a lot of times in hockey, the way it's played now, you line up in your position and then everyone else is, you're, you're kind of everywhere else once the pucks drop. So, um, yeah, we will see. That'll shake itself out, I think. Emmer, it's been fantastic to uh, have you back on the program. Great to get your insight on the World Juniors. Looking forward to the semifinals and then the finals and then eventually getting some of these players uh, here into Los Angeles to start going through camp and or with AHL Ontario. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk with you about uh, through the season. But thanks for coming on today and, and sharing some thoughts and giving up a little time on Sunday. Okay, guys, for sure. All right, have a great day. Nelson Emerson. We'll be back to talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Before we move on here, TB, just a quick word. Our folks uh, over at Manscaped, one of our great sponsors, they wanted to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, of course, we've been talking about them for a few months now. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they're here to help you ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Manscaped is here to give you New Year's a resolution that you'll actually want to keep, the Perfect Package 3.0 is the below-the-waist grooming package you need to start off strong this year. Uh, of course, we've been telling you to get ready for the new season, and you're running out of time, so get to getting. Check out the Lawnmower 3.0, which features their waterproof and skin-safe trimmer. It will reduce nicks to your two best friends, and it also has the DB-approved light to shine a light to the promised land 2021 looks to be. They have tons of other fun and useful products as well, uh, like the Crop Preserver, Deodorant, and Moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your pits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body, too? Bring your game to the next level. Bring sexy back in 2021. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code KOTP new, like new year, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code KOTP new. That's KOTPNEW. It's a new year and time for an all new you. A good 30 minute chat there with uh, Nelson Emerson, DB. Absolutely. A chapter and verse on all the Kings prospects and went to detail. And it's the intricacies of watching these players that me or you or the average fan don't see in the game. And Nelson was very transparent about what he's looking for and all the positive aspects of these players games as he watches them. Yeah, it's it's very interesting when you when you sit down and when you really spend time talking to whether it's a scout or a coach or even an executive about a player, because you start to get the full 360 degree picture of, of what they're looking at and what they're evaluating. And it's so much more beyond just, you know, uh, goals and assists and, and, and right. plus minus or penalty minutes and that sort of thing. So fascinating, great insights, calm down, everybody. The kids will be all right, as they say. And, uh, can't wait to, um, can't wait to see how this World Junior Championships is going to play itself out here with the, with the two games that are remaining. And, and just to be clear, there are two games that are remaining in the, uh, in the semifinals, but then you still have more games after that because you would have, or actually, um, you have the, the 
the bronze medal game and the gold medal game. game. So technically, I guess you would have four games that are remaining. And then, of course, we get to do it all over again next year, headed right back to Edmonton and Red Deer. Hopefully, the world will be in a better place at that point, and we can actually attend the World Juniors again. And uh, the Kings will have... I don't know if they're going to have nine, but they certainly will have a good handful of prospects because, as right. Emmer was mentioning, some of these kids that are there this year, they'll be eligible to return. So while Turcotte will age out, um, and while Byfield probably would be a, a pro player next season and would not be eligible, or not eligible, excuse me, but wouldn't be released to go, um, there will be other players that will be eligible and new draft picks from the 2021 class as well. So the Kings should be well represented at the World Juniors next year too, Dennis. For sure, Jay. Absolutely. You probably, the two guys you mentioned will depart. They'll probably have two or three. They're probably the, the, the plug in after that. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So let's turn uh, our attention now to what's happening in Los Angeles. Training camp opened up on December 31st. What a great way to, to kick off New Year's. Uh, we, of course, uh, had Todd McClellan on the program here recently. We um, also spoke with uh, Luke Robitaille. We've had Rob Blake on before. So we've heard a lot from management. Um, Rob Blake was made available to the media as well the night before training camp opened. So there were some Zoom calls and whatnot. All of the quotes from his uh, extended press conference, they're all up on mayorsmanor.com. You can read every question you could read every answer uh then the way that the the organization has been doing it um for those that haven't been following along there were three days of training camp and then they took sunday off and then training camp will resume again on monday so training camp took place on the 31st the first and the second and the way that it worked is uh the group the 36 skaters they were split into two groups and there was a practice with let's call it group a was a practice then there was a scrimmage in the middle and then there was a practice for team b uh, by the way, I have renamed those teams. Uh, group A, Team A is kind of boring, so I've gone with Team Ahula, as in Peter Ahula. You can look that up, people. It's a fantastic reference to a early to mid-90s player for the Kings. And then, of course, Team Belanger, uh, which is a reference to the great Eric Belanger, who was part of the frenzy on Figueroa. And uh, an early acquisition of Dean Lombardi during his tenure, if I remember correctly. But anyway, we move on. Um, Let's take a listen to some some quotes here. Uh, first, Dennis, you had asked Rob Blake during that uh, Q&A with him. Uh, I'm sorry, let me just finish the schedule real quick. Uh, so the players that have been made available, it's three players per day uh, plus Coach Todd McClellan. So if you're wondering sort of the cadence of things. Uh, but in that first uh, Q&A session that took place the day before training camp opened, Dennis, you asked Rob Blake about the potential of using some of the, the Kings' extra cap space to make a, a deal similar to what Ottawa and Tampa did recently. Here's what Blake had to say. Yeah, and we have we've we've looked at different options there, and that 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 we do have that availability of cap space, um, and we've looked at different options there. Of it, it's just another way to acquire an asset if, if if things would work. Yes. So, Dennis, was that the answer you were looking for? Yes, aggressive, please, a little more aggressive, not so passive. Yeah, I think so. Look, he's it sounds like he's gotten calls on it. Doesn't have the right one. But yeah, why not do that? Because if Pierre Dorian could do it in Ottawa with a team that's kind of at the same level, there's no reason Rob can't do it. But, you know, what I've learned in dealing with Rob, he's a very, very patient guy. They're on a plan. They're on a timeline. But if something falls in his lap where he thinks it's advantageous, he'll do it. You just said a statement that I never, <laughs> I'm chuckling because I never expected to hear it. If it's okay for Dorian, it should be okay for Blake. I never expected to hear that kind of, those words mixed together in quite that order. But uh, I, I do understand the sentiment, so that's good. Uh, Todd McClellan had a lot to say. We've posted a lot of his quotes on Mayor's Manor as well. One of them had to do with uh, a favorite around here on Kings of the Podcast and certainly on Mayor's Manor and something we've been trying to tell you people for the last couple of years if you were paying attention. Uh, Todd uh, spoke about 
Mikey Anderson and his, uh, well, maybe where he fits in on the uh, the defense side of things for the LA Kings. Yeah, the, you know, I would consider Mikey Anderson the the youngest of uh, of the group. Um, you know, Clegg, Dursey, those type of players as well. But Mikey, uh, in my mind, is, has worked his way into our lineup. And and again, at camp, it looks like he's going, going to stay there. Uh, the amount of poise and the type of plays he makes, not only offensively, but also defensively, is is pretty rewarding. Uh, Any surprise there, DB? No surprise, Jay, but remember, what's the kid played? Seven NHL games, <laughs> and this is a coach who's been in the league for what? He's coached for 20 years. He's like, yep, he's in the starting lineup. That That's <laughs> kudos to that player to break through and impress everybody in that short of time frame, at least at the NHL level. People need to understand the history of Mikey Anderson. I, I briefly talked about it with them or there. He was the captain of Team USA at the World Junior. He captained his team. They won two national championships at the collegiate level. This isn't some kid that just sort of came out of nowhere. He was a, a mid-round pick for the LA Kings, so he sort of flew under the radar. But from his draft year, he has done some pretty remarkable things and really taken his game up uh, you know, multiple steps to earn this. And uh, he was an NHL player in waiting. He was sent to Ontario at the beginning of last year just so that Coach Mike Stuthers could kind of work him into uh, getting him ready to become a pro and get him ready to, to take on that role. Uh, and so there was really no surprise in the second half of the season when the, the Kings had made a roster spot available to him. So uh, kudos to Mikey Anderson and look forward to seeing him uh, in Los Angeles. It will be confusing with Mikey Anderson wearing 44 and Leah Sanderson wearing 24 and they spell their names differently. And here's the real confusing part, DB. Mikey wore 24 when he played for Team USA. So when I see 24 Anderson... My muscle memory in my brain says that it's Mikey when, in fact, it's Leas. So that'll take some getting used to as well. But um, probably the highlight of uh, all of these chats, of course, we enjoyed chatting with uh, Drew Doughty, excuse me, with uh, Dustin Brown, catching up with him. We enjoyed catching up with Andre Kopitar, Kempe, uh, many of these other players, Oli Mata. But perhaps the highlight of this, and certainly <laughs> the one that has grabbed the headlines, is uh, a guy named uh, Drew Doughty wearing number eight. Uh, he's a defenseman. You might have heard of him. Uh, this is what Drew Doughty had to say during his scrum with the media. You know, a lot of people have me written off as, uh, as not even a good player anymore. And so all that becomes personal and all that drives me to be better this year to make our team better. Uh, it's definitely media. Um, you know, I was in uh, Canada for a while there. And uh, when New Year's put on TSN, which is like your guys ESPN, all they talk about is hockey and I'm seeing uh, – you know, guys not having me lauded in to make the Olympic team uh, whenever that is in a couple of years. And so that that just frustrated me. Um, and I mean, I see rankings that come out and stuff like that on my Twitter and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say it's all media. I definitely don't hear that from my peers ever. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's media. I think you can look it up if you want to see it. DB, where do you want to start with that? Well, like Jonathan Quick, mid-season form. Um, <laughs> Look, it's up to him now, right? He, he's gotten full support from Rob Blake and Todd McCullen, right? That they've, I don't want to use the word excuse, but they've given reasons why his performance wasn't the way it should have been the last couple of seasons. And so he's got the support there. Look, that's what you want. You want, you know what, John? Like these guys sound a little pissed off instead of like just waving the white flag. Eh, maybe we'll make the playoffs. When you question them, they sound a little angry about, questioning if they can make the postseason in this division. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good sign for this team. And I think especially, look, they're going nowhere if Drew is playing like he did the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. Nowhere, right? So it's it's good to see it. Now he's, 
he's been vocal. He's been vocal before. And now this is the time, John, and you think it's going to happen. He's going to turn in and be that elite defenseman that we know and seen here in Los Angeles. Well, I think you and I are going to duke it out all year because we finally have something that we're going to disagree on. I have not dumped on Dowdy the last couple of years. I have maintained throughout all of this that Drew Doughty is still an elite defenseman in the National Hockey League and just talk to any general manager. They'd love to have him on the team. And I think that this year we're going to see a resurgence, but I, I really have to hand it to Doughty and I'm disappointed in myself, Dennis. I like to work every angle. I talk to so many different sources. I double check. I triple check my information. I ask a lot of questions to understand. I'm a student of the game, right? And I've never come up with one of the theories, one of the reasons or explanations, like you said, it's not really an excuse, but then Dowdy lays it on us, and I'm like, wow, I had never thought about that before, that since Rob Scuderi, he has not had a true veteran partner. He did help break in a Jake Muzzin. He helped break in Braden McNabb, Derek Forbert. The list goes on and on. And when Drew said it, there was a little light bulb that went off in my head, and I thought, man... Drew's on to something. So I, I, I want to give uh, Dowdy credit for that. Uh, inside that rant there, there was actually some, some useful information. But uh, enough of the audio clips, Dennis. Let's spend the last uh, remaining portion of the show here and talk about the projected lineup. Uh, I tweeted this out the other day for the, those that didn't see it. This is not necessarily from a line combination perspective. Don't get caught up in the line combinations. But right. here are the 14 forwards that I expect to make the LA Kings opening night roster. Ayafalo, Kopitar, Brown, yes, top line. Kempe, Velarde, Furk, second line. Wagner with Blake Lazat and Jeff Carter as the third line. And then a fourth line, you can mix and match these five players because you have three guys plus two scratches. So Trevor Moore with Amadio and Luff is at least how McClellan has been putting them together so far. And that leaves Anthony Sio. Did I say that right? Happy to see you, double A. Okay, I'm going to keep working on that. It uh, leaves Anthony Sio and uh, Grunstrom as the two healthy scratches. You can mix and match Trevor Moore, Amadio, Luff, Anthony Sio, and Grunstrom any way that you want. That's your, your fourth line and your two scratches. Uh, Dennis, there are a few names that people keep asking about that are not included in that group, and that would be uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, who at one point we were anticipating being on the roster. Now, I don't see him on the opening night roster. I'll talk about that in a minute. Leas Anderson, who was a big acquisition at the draft. They traded a second-round pick to get. He scored a couple goals so far in the uh, in the scrimmages. He's looked good. Todd was positive about him, but let's be honest, he's only pinning the system for three uh, three days now, uh, official. Uh, and then Byfield and Kaliev and where they will fit in. And Dennis, it just comes down to one simple thing. I believe in talking to sources within the organization, I just don't see that they are ready to put players on waivers yet and potentially lose assets. Yes, there will be a, a, a glut of players that'll be on waivers across the league over the, the couple days leading up to, the, uh, to when rosters have to be submitted before opening night, but the Kings are not in a position where they have to do that. They don't have to put an Amadio or a Luff or anybody that you want to pick, Trevor Moore, whoever. They don't have to put those players on waivers. You can start with those uh, 14 players uh, that I just mentioned there at forward, and you can put Jod and Leas Anderson, you can put them on the taxi squad and or in the American League and not risk losing other players. Reaction. Yeah, and I think to me the most intriguing is how they're going to build a taxi squad. Like who who's on that taxi squad? How many are you going to use four? Are they going to use six? To me, that's the most intriguing thing because by and large, I, I agree with respect to the, four, the complement of 14 forwards uh, that you have. And I think that, again, 
it's patience, right? If you don't have to make those moves, you don't have to waive those players, and you've got the benefit of a taxi squad, why do you do that? It's just it's just bad business, John. It wouldn't make any sense, and I would be shocked that they did it, so I totally agree with you on that. Now, here's where things get interesting. We'll get to the defense in a second, but here's where things really get interesting, DB, and that is what about when you want to take some of those players off the taxi squad and you want to get them into the lineup because you want them to play? Because like I've talked about, we've talked about before, Byfield and Kaliev will play, potentially will play, I should say, uh, a couple of games. Blake is uh, on record as saying that he will not burn a year off the contract and so don't look for them to play more than seven games. And until the Ontario Hockey League, that's the big question in all of this, right, is, well, what happens with Byfield and Kaliev? It, it sounds like, and this is a very fluid situation, people, but it sounds like that in until the OHL comes back, that those OHL players, players that not, aren't typically allowed to play in the American League because of their age uh, that are coming from the CHL, um, it sounds like they will be allowed to participate on the taxi squad and or participate in AHL activities, activities meaning training camp and or even games, as long as one thing, and that's the caveat, the Ontario League has not returned. So if the OHL returns on, let's just hypothetically say February 5th, the same day that the American League uh, is going live, okay? Let's use that as a scenario. Then what happens with Kaliev and what happens with Byfield? Well, Kaliev and Byfield, in order to keep them in Los Angeles, they are not taxi squad eligible because the taxi squad is kind of like uh, another American League team. So all the same yeah, rules. AHL waive light. Yeah. Exactly. AHL there you go. AHL light. So all of the normal waiver rules apply, which means you can't send Byfield and Cali up to the taxi squad. Okay, no big deal, right? You keep them on the NHL roster. Well, hold on. To keep them on the NHL roster... As one of those 14 forwards, this is, again, assuming you're carrying an extra defenseman. So if you don't want to carry an extra defenseman, if you only want to carry 6D, um, then they would, there would be one roster spot that you just created for a Byfield or a Kaliev. But where are you going to get the other um, roster spot? Because you can't send any of those 14 forwards that I mentioned, you can't send them to the American League without putting them through waivers. So... Those guys are all staying at the NHL level. So, I mean, just ask yourself that. For all these people that are clamoring for Byfield to make the team or for Kaliev to make the team, pick your player, it doesn't matter. If you want Kaliev to make the team, are you willing to put Michael Amadio on waivers in order to make room for Kaliev? And knowing that you're only going to keep Kaliev for five games and then you're going to send him somewhere, are you willing to do that? Yeah, I think that the key point here, John, is that um, the ability, if their O doesn't come back for these players... To play in the AHL. I think that's huge because some people had question. It has to be seven plus NHL games to burn the ELC. They can play numerous games. They can go over and play as many games as possible in the AHL. So if there is no AHL, you worry about the development where they are going to play. You don't want to, you want them not to play just six games this year. If that's a scenario where no AHL, but yes, AHL, then they can play and, and just you know, be, be developed this season, which is, I think, a big plus for the team. Dennis, it's far beyond a big plus. We're going to have to come up with other words. It is the dream scenario for the LA Kings. The right. Kings don't want to send Byfield and Kaliev back to the Ontario Hockey League. They would love nothing more than to keep them within their own umbrella and develop them. They just don't believe... And people say, well, they don't have to send them back. Well, they don't have to, but you start with the caveat of this. If you're not burning a year off the contract, right. the NHL is out. So so you have to start with that. That's rule number one. And it doesn't matter if you don't like it or not. The general manager of the team has already said that's the plan. So now you go to step two. Okay, well, if we're not going to put him in the NHL because that's not an option, where do you put the player? Well, then we have to send him back to the Ontario League because by rule, by definition of the, the relationship or the agreement, um, they can't send CHL players to the American League at a certain age level. So he has to, those two players have to go back 
back to the O. This would be a dream scenario because you would the rule wouldn't apply. So can you imagine if the LA Kings could have Byfield and Kaliev in Ontario this year, or I should say with the AHL club, I guess they will still be the Ontario reign in name, but they'll be playing out of El Segundo. That's a whole other issue. But um, can you imagine the, the, the with their AHL club, you would have, I mean, just this is an all-star roster. I mean, you have Turcotte, you have uh, Akil Thomas, you have Aiden Dudas, you have Kapari. You would add to that Byfield, Kaliev, you have Cole Holtz down there, you have Bjornfoot and Clegg rotating in and out. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing, uh, it is truly a, a, a treasure chest of riches if you can add Byfield and Kaliev to that mix. Now, to answer one other quick thing that you said, though, about how they're going to put the taxi squad together. From what I understand... The plan is, and again, it's fluid. I have to keep saying that, people. But the plan is to sort of rotate players between Taxi Squad and American League. So don't get too excited when you see, I'm just picking a name. When you see Jared Anderson Dolan being assigned to the American League, don't think, oh, wow, what a bummer. He's not going to make the NHL club. Nope, because the four to six players that they have on the Taxi Squad in the beginning, they might rotate those out 10 days later and bring and, and swap guys from the American League so that basically what they want in a perfect world, if possible, they want their American League players to spend the majority of the season in the American League developing, but they also want them, since this is a unique opportunity, to have some extended uh, uh, runs, extended opportunities to have their development time be with the LA Kings. So it's kind of like getting a call up to the NHL, but without playing. And we saw that last year with guys like Kel Clegg only got a couple of games in, but was with the club for a little bit of a longer period. You just get a sense of how things work in the NHL. It makes, it makes the second year or the next year, the following year easier because you know, the routines and you know how everything goes, even if you really didn't get to play very many games. And there's one other benefit, John, that people haven't really talked about too much. Um, some of these teams that are at, at the cap, they're going to have to carry 20 players and use the taxi squad a lot more than Kings because the Kings have this. So they can carry 23, a full complement, get these players into games. You're going to have teams that are cap strapped. They're going to have to go 20 and taxi squad. So there's mm-hmm. another benefit of, of having this cap space as well. Yeah. And so back to how you would get a Byfield or a Kaliev into a game. Uh, you would have to use the extra roster spot. Like I mentioned, if your 14 forwards are kind of quote-unquote frozen, well, how do you sneak a Byfield or a Kaliev into a game? Well, you only carry six defensemen that night, and then you're normally in, you would you would uh, have a healthy scratch defenseman, so call it your seventh D right. that night. You would use that extra roster spot for a Jared Anderson Dolan or for Elias Anderson or for a Byfield or a Kaliev or whoever to try to get them into the lineup that night, and then you would scratch three forward. So Dennis, we're getting way deep in the weeds and some people probably like this conversation and others are, are their heads are spinning right now. So let's at least just cover off on the defenseman. Um, the, the projected roster for opening night, you have Oli Mata playing with Drew Doughty as the top pair. You have Mikey Anderson and Matt Roy as the second pair. And then you have Sean Walker on the third pair. And you're going to have Curtis McDermott as your sixth defenseman, Kale Clegg and Bjornfoot will share time as your seventh defenseman. And when I say that, that doesn't mean they'll be scratched. What that means is that between McDermott, Clegg, and um, Bjornfoot, you will rotate those guys in and out of the lineup, um, most often probably playing with Sean Walker there on the third pairing. And if one of them really sticks for a while, you could potentially see them moving up. We did see the Kale Clegg, Mikey Anderson pairing in, um, in Ontario, and it, and it worked very well. Uh, Mike Stuthers was complimentary of that when he was the coach of Ontario 
Ontario last year. Uh, I enjoyed that pairing too. So we'll see if at some point Todd McClellan has enough trust to put those guys together. And when you do that, maybe you put Sean Walker with Matt Roy, which is something we've seen before as well. So there's a number of different ways to configure the defense. But essentially, it's Olimata, Dowdy, Mikey Anderson, uh, Roy, Walker, and McDermott. Those are your sixth six players, and then Kale, uh, Clegg, and Bjornfoot rotate in and out as the guy taking up the seventh spot uh, among your defensemen. Any reaction to that, DB? No, I think that's the way it's going to lay up. Uh, John, I do want to have um, one word of advice to the uh, PR staff <laughs> okay. before we uh, end the episode is that um, that Zoom room that they use, you need to put a light in there, John. Okay. Put a light that it looks like you're not talking from the basement of the uh, GPSC. Okay. Um, so that's just one, one critique because it, it's the lighting is, has a lot to leave desired. I, I, I love your critiques, DB. Uh, my critique would be, can you tilt the screen a little bit? I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Aya Follow, but one of them looked like we were interviewing like a kindergartner because it was like you only had them from the neck up. It, it, it just, yeah, it's not that difficult to frame the, uh, you know, frame the screen properly so that you're, you're kind of getting them from mid-chest up instead of just getting like from the neck up it just and, and it's all sky above them it's, it's interesting and, so and john one guy who hasn't <laughs> been in the frame who was supposed to be in the frame i knew this was coming we were, we were promised jeff carter on the first day of camp for 20, 20 still waiting so, uh, db i want to let you might know. wait till february until may as well but we're still waiting well db look be careful what you ask for because remember i don't remember i think it was last uh se- or no two seasons ago yes. jeff carter was made, you and i joked about this a couple years ago jeff carter was made available on day one of training camps everybody's excited you right jeff carter is not made available very often in los angeles for interviews so carter's made available and he was very you know open and talking and energetic and and and, and it was a great conversation we all had hey great you know it was wonderful and then uh Jeff Carter was never made available again the rest of the year. So be careful what you wish for because it, was, John, was that book before or after he gave you the death stare in the NC <laughs> press conference? I'm just asking questions, people. I mean, you know, he didn't have to, <laughs> it, it, you know, it was a fair question, Dennis. It was a fair question. Totally fair. Absolutely <laughs> fair, John. And uh, thank you, though. Thanks, Carts. Um, Look, he, he's always been a professional on, uh, you know, on the ice and, and, and uh, away from the ice. I've said this over and over. I think he had a bad rap coming out of Philadelphia and Columbus. He's been nothing but a pro here in Los Angeles. And obviously, he's been a, a big, big part of the LA Kings and any success that they've had since 2012. So kudos to Jeff Carter. Uh, we, we, we tease and we joke and we like to have fun. But DB, I will tell you, and I tweeted this last night in the, in the middle of my barrage of World Juniors tweets. So you might not have seen this. I am not convinced that Jeff Carter is even in training camp because the picture of carts at camp, that looks more like a really tall version of Tyler Toffoli. Like it's, I don't even know if it's flow. It's just like some crazy salad that's coming out the back of his head. That might, you know, that dummy, that standalone dummy that they have on the ice at T TSPC that the players kind of use to skate around. Sometimes the guy that's scary, he looks like he belongs in a dojo where maybe Floyd Mayweather is training or something, but I'm not sure if that was that stationary guy in a Carter jersey or what, but um, that hair is not Jeff Carter. So I don't know who's wearing 77 in training camp. Hopefully we'll find out soon enough. (laughs) Yes, we will, John. All right, DB, it's been fantastic. Great recap on the World Juniors. Thanks again to Nelson Emerson for coming on. We always appreciate our time with Emmer or back-to-back Nellies if you prefer that. Thanks again to uh, uh, John Gomez, to Gomer with the LA Kings PR staff for uh, helping pull all of our stuff together. And uh, Dennis, it's been fantastic. We're going to have to get together and do another Kings of the Podcast soon. Yeah, John, and the clock's ticking to the start of the season, but uh, this was a great one. We'll do it again soon. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.